You're listening to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 37. This week, we're looking at the top 10 lunch hour games, along with Galaxy Trucker, Star Realms for iOS, and Citadels. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. This is Chris. And this is Daniel. Welcome to the episode, everybody. Episode 36. This week we're going to be talking about our favorite lunch hour games. So we have a top 10 list. Uh, we're also going to be talking about a couple of uh, classics we got a chance to play and a game that, for a change, Daniel likes and other people don't. <laughs> Just to mix things up oh, a little bit. Oh, the twist! Yeah. It's a twist. It's a twist. I do like some games. It happens. <laughs> it happens. Usually it's in agreement with others, though. This time it's, it's definitely flipped on its head a little bit. Um, but before we jump into all that, I'm going to share a little bit from the news. Uh, Drew's out again this week, so I'm going to fill in for him on that front. And uh, we also have a couple of just quick housekeeping things and a couple cool pieces of information you're definitely going to want to hear. So, All right, so one thing we saw that looked pretty interesting was Calliope Games has announced their Titan series. Um, so what they've done is partner with 12 designers, uh, some people who have designed some really good games that you're definitely going to know. Risk Legacy, Marvel Dice Masters, King of Tokyo, Hero Click, Smash Up, Trail at the House on the Hill. So big games, games we talked about quite a bit. Uh, and they've taken these designers and they've tasked them with creating nine family-friendly gateway games. Um, the first of these games should show up sometime in 2015 and then kind of over the next three years or so after that. And they're doing it basically all through Kickstarter. So these are all going to be kickstarted, and there is a cool option where if you back all of them, you get a nice discount on like the whole set. Um, so it's an interesting idea. I wanted to you know kind of run through this. Does this expand the tabletop hobby and bring more folks back to the table, as they're saying? That's a quote from them. Or does it hurt the local game store because you're literally you're announcing your business plan is solely through Kickstarter? Back it here, you get a discount. All the big designers are here now. We're already seeing that with a few other games. Even designers are going to Kickstarter. Um, what what effect is that going to have, if any, honestly? I mean, we've been seeing the local game store be bypassed more and more. Right? I mean, Amazon bypasses the local game store. Barnes & Noble bypasses the local game store. All these large distributors and Kickstarters just adding another, another path to bypass the local game store. I don't know that they're going to be able to neglect the game store, though. I mean, I mean that's there's as long as they're there, you're going to want to take advantage of them. Yeah, right. Because it's not, and the good game stores, the ones that do well and succeed, they know that it's not because they sell games that they exist. It's because they give a place for us to go and play those games, and they teach those games, and they recommend those games. Uh, the fact that they sell them just happens to benefit them when they do those things, right? Yeah, I know this was a big controversy when Steve Jackson games started selling their Munchkin products and other games at Target as exclusive. So I think it was Munchkin Legends came out and you couldn't buy it online, you couldn't buy it at any any small distributor, but you could buy it through these massive big box kind of stores. And fans reacted pretty strongly about that. They were very upset that 
their local game store, and the game store owners were upset that, hey, we stock your pro- your products, and we're loyal to you, and now you're producing a product that's going completely somewhere else. We're not going to see it. It's really disrespectful. And there was a lot of backlash about that on Board Game Geek, and I was really surprised to see that because I know the popular conception is that Munchkin is kind of like this kind of fast food type of game and no one really pays too much attention to it doesn't really think of it as a hobby game so much but there really is that feel that this is one of ours this is part of our community and there was that feel of that too now as you said kickstarter kind of has completely turned the board game industry upside down because this normal process of having a game developing it bringing it to a publisher see if it made the cut you know, going through those steps is almost completely gone since you can go through a Kickstarter and find a shortcut. So this is just another way in which the small game store is kind of being, I wouldn't say cut out, but, you know, what they do, as Anthony was saying, like, is more and more important and what they sell is less and less important. Yeah, I mean, I think that this case is, is preferable to the Target exclusive uh, release because we're going to have, as long as... Other realms of competition are open, right? As long as my local store can still carry it, that means something, right? At the very least, I can say, yeah, I know it's coming out. Yeah, I know I could order it online and get it for cheaper, but I like being here. I like playing with my friends. This is why I buy all my games at Myriad when it was still open rather than order online, right? It's worth paying an extra five bucks to pay for the the community, Right, but uh, when you go make something exclusive, right, you're not opening a new avenue of competition. You're shutting it all down. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because we got some companies using it as a pre-order basis. Some companies are almost entirely on Kickstarter now. Some companies have been founded through Kickstarter, which yeah. is great. Like good companies are coming out of there. So I don't know. It's still up in the air. I think we'll see how it all shakes out over the next few years. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of investing, uh, another story here that I saw was the Dragon's Den, a show in the UK, which is kind of like Shark Tank. Um, every now and then, game inventors will come on the show. And for the first time, um, one of the game inventors who came on was got backing, so 50,000 pounds for their game, uh, called Marmite. So it's <laughs> they got 40% stake in the company, Pants on Fire, and... Basically, they very publicly got backing for a board game in a way that I'm sure very few developers or publishers ever do from, you know, major investors. Do you think we'll ever see that on Shark Tank? Do you think it would ever be mainstream enough that people would, uh, you know, is, is the industry big enough to even support that kind of thing? I mean, the fact that we have, you know, powerful, wealthy investors coming in and providing capital for gaming products and uh, gaming projects clearly indicates that the gaming industry is is growing and becoming more powerful and more steady, right? These are people who know what to look for when they're looking for future growth. And if they're throwing their money into it, that indicates to me that the general perception, even outside of the hobby, is that it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, I mean, it cuts both ways, right? So the popular conception is... You know, games like Monopoly and Scrabble and and like are just billion-dollar businesses around the world. And at the same time, it's still a challenging product to know if it's going to be something good. 
you know, unless you really are a hobby gamer for some number of years, it's really hard just to look at a game and read through the rule book and go, yeah, this works. Or this is going to play to a lot of people because any hobby board game that's out there right now that's maybe in the BBG's top 100 could be a huge success out in the, you know, the larger market, but for some reason hasn't gone out there yet. So it's it's odd it's it's both good and bad it's it's both of a challenge and a possibility of a good future but i can see that happening i mean kickstarter has really been promoting a lot of these big games i mean look at zombicide who knew that would every campaign they run makes millions of dollars and that's just a kickstarter it's not even when it hits the store so i think we'll see this in the future yeah definitely i mean it's it's there it's happening it's becoming more of a business yeah all right cool so um that's you know that's the news for this week the next thing I wanted to talk about, and this is more of a BGA news-related item, is Extra Life. So we uh, told you all just a few weeks ago that we're definitely holding Extra Life this year, Extra Life 2014, our second annual uh, gaming event for uh, children's hospitals, charities. And so the game, the uh, event is already being planned, it's underway, They're holding it at Gamers Gambit on October 26th. Uh, it's in Saddlebrook, New Jersey. If you're in the area or want to drive out and meet us and donate and help um, support these awesome this awesome charity. The in terms of news though, I wanted to share. We're already starting to get some donations come in. Last year we had a huge amount of support from publishers. This year they're already starting to come out and they're really offering some great great support for us. Um, so I've already gotten heard back from. Uh, Arcane Wonders, they publish Mage Wars. I heard back from Smirk and Dagger, who has now supported us two years in a row, which is fantastic. Um, heard back from AEG, um, the publishers of things like Smash Up and Tempest Universe Games Love Letter. Heard back from Privateer Press. Um, and then we also heard from Stronghold Games, um, Stephen Bonacor. So lots of companies are already you know writing back to us and I'm, I'm excited to hear from others but that's just you know kind of a sneak peek preview of who's already donated some stuff for this event last year we had 20 different publishers donate games we had something like 70 games in the end between publisher donations and uh, people attending the, the event so every single person got at least one game out of the raffle or the auction or whatever it was and that's just we had more games than the store could hold people, so <laughs> guaranteed it. Uh, this year, we're hoping to have a similar turnout. So, if you are thinking about it or in the area and want to stop by, please, please do. And that is Extra Life 2014 coming up on October 26th. All right. So next up, we're gonna toss it to Chris. We're gonna talk. He's gonna talk a little about his upcoming Kicking the Habit episode and what you can listen for this week. Kicking the Habit. Hey, Kickers, this is Chris from Kicking the Habit. And on episode 13, we'll talk about two campaigns that recently wrapped up and four brand new campaigns you should keep an eye out for, including Orcs, 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 Galaxy of Train, Jane Austen's Matchmaker, and Clockwork Kingdom. So be sure to look for us on Wednesday, September 17, 2014, and I'll let you know if you should kick it off, kick back and wait, or kick it to the curb. All right, so next up, Acquisition Disorders. Acquisition Disorder Corner. All right, so for me, uh, my Acquisition Disorder is a game that I 
almost bought twice uh, a couple of months ago, I guess, whenever it first came out. So it's called Thunder Alley. It's uh, from GMT Games, and they usually make you know big box war style, Cold War based. They make amazing games. It's a great company. They supported us fantastically last year for Extra Life. So anyways, this new game is about stock car racing. Doesn't fit their normal themes at all, although it does come in the same kind of box with the same kind of like very pedestrian-looking artwork on the cover. <laughs> but it's uh, it's a stock car racing game, and it's very strategic, so it's not roll-and-move like Formula D, um, which I honestly like Formula D a lot, and I would buy it if I didn't know that all my friends would dislike it. Because who's going to play? No one's going to play. Because I know... <laughs> I know Chris doesn't like this game. I know Drew doesn't like this game. It's roll and move. That's all it is. It's a big but roll and move game. There's a D30. I like that. But you know what happens when I play that game? I see the D30, and then that's all I want to do for the whole game. Which means you're going to die. But you get to roll the D30. Which is fine. So. And then you die, okay? Then you're out earlier, and you don't like it, so it's fine. That's happened. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's purposeful or not, but <laughs> it was. But that's okay, too. Eh, it happens. <laughs> anyway, uh, Formula D is a game for some and not for others. But uh, Thunder Alley is definitely more of a strategy board game. Yes, uh, that's car- good. <laughs> <laughs> the board looks kind of the same. You're racing around a pretty pedestrian-looking track. But it's card-based and they're strategy-based. And when you play your cards, there's a lot of drafting. So you're frequently moving up with other people. Which is, I love that idea of if you get yourself in the right position, you can kind of piggyback off what other people are doing. Um, it looks pretty cool. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to find a copy now that I've committed to wanting it. It's <laughs> The GMT did not print a lot of these. They generally don't sell tons of copies of any of their games because it's a very specific market. This is a little bit bigger market than they're used to because it's some kind of sport, and now it's hard to find. So I'm hoping I can get it before it goes completely out of print because they usually don't reprint things for a while. Um, and if not, this will make the list again later when I realize that that's the case. But if I get it, this will be uh, a review at some point because it looks like a pretty cool game. Well, speaking about pretty cool games, let's talk about some Star Trek Attack Wing. Now, it's been a little bit while since we've talked about this because WizKids has been having all kinds of problems in their production. And... Borg came out and it was kind of huge and impactful and scared people away, I guess, like it's supposed to. But probably not in the best way because people were upset that they were kind of a little bit overpowered. And because the monthly games were kind of pushed back that they had planned, things kind of got out of whack. But it seems like now they're they're coming back to a normal schedule with their monthly releases. Now, what's really on my acquisition disorder is wave nine because now we're kind of out of the Borg area and now we're back to some really interesting and classic ships. So in this wave, there are three ships that really want to pay attention to. So the first one, which is kind of okay, is Chang's Bird of Prey. And it's kind of a basic Klingon Bird of Prey, not much different to it. But with Chang, you're actually getting some high quality captain cards that Klingons really need. Now, the specialness to this wave has to be the the other two ships. First, the Scimitar from the Romulan expansion. Now, if you play the Romulans, you know they're a bit underpowered because they don't have these big battleships. And 
this allows them to bring something big to the field. And this is from the Star Trek movies. So it's that big cloaked ship that was supposed to wipe out Earth. And it should have some pretty high stats. They currently don't have any information released yet about what's going to be coming with it. But it's just a beautiful model. Now the other ship, which I've been looking forward to for months and months now, has to be the Defiant Mirror Universe um, expansion. Now this is really interesting. If you know anything about Star Trek... Every series has their mirror universe flashback, flash forward kind of thing. It's almost always more interesting in the mirror universe than it is in the regular universe. So to have the Defiant in the mirror universe, you're probably going to see your normal average crewman in kind of different ways and with special abilities. And while this is kind of just an easy way to sell more of the same model that's probably not selling... At least you'll get different cards with it. It'll be fun and interesting to play along with these. And maybe, maybe they'll let you actually have two Cisco's or two Bashirs or two O'Briens actually play at the same time because they're both from different universes. Now, I'm still waiting for Kirk and Spock so they can have the little evil beards, <laughs> you know. But um, otherwise, this looks like a great expansion. I think everyone will enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, for my acquisition disorder, it's it's an expansion as well. Uh, it's the DC, DC deck building games Rivals expansion. Uh, anyone who listens to us regularly will know I'm a, a sucker for the DC deck building game. I think it's just wonderful. And one of my favorite things about superheroes is the the great rivalry, right? Two adversaries who know one another almost perfectly, right, and can can read each other and struggling for control. And this expansion promises to capitalize on that, so I look forward to playing as Batman and punching the Joker in the face just a lot. <laughs> that that uh, I find that very exciting. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. It gets the theme back too, because then you're not, you know, you're just, everything's. If you're this character you're against these, yeah, that'll be fun. I think so. I think, and that is a common complaint about the DC deck builder is that it feels. Uh, some people think athematic because you're sort of scattered. You're not playing one hero really, and by having your rival there, that will recover some of that theme. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just saw what was it? The Naruto deck building game is out, so they're up to three different themes of this now. At least <laughs> uh, more to come. Wait, but... give it five minutes. It'll be four. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a solid game system. I see. There's the Naruto one. There's the DC one. There's the Street Fighter one. Those are three out three out isn't there another I thought there was another one. Oh. oh, the penny arcade is the original penny they're based one. It on oh yeah yeah so up to four and i know there's others in the in the future so uh obviously a successful system and dc deck builder but like four expansions three expansions yeah it's it's a juggernaut it's gonna keep on going yeah good game yep all right all good games looking forward to playing them and uh next up some of the stuff we have been playing at the table this week Alrighty, so some of the games we've been playing lately. Chris, I know you got to play a game um, that we can't actually get a physical copy of, but they uh, they helped us out a little, right? Yeah, I got a chance to play Star Realms. Now, this was this small deck builder game, two-player, that really exploded on Kickstarter, and everyone was trying to get their hands on this, and right now it's, it's at a kind of wait on a reprint stage. Now, if you haven't played Star Realms before, let me kind of break it to you. It's Ascension. That's it. Now, by that, I don't mean it in a bad way. Ascension actually plays really well. It's a great mechanic. You'll be... Now, 
in both games, it kind of operates the same way with some slight differences. So this is obviously a space theme, and the artwork is actually good. So that's a good start. What? It's good artwork, and I know you're you're more of a fan of the Ascension artwork, which is no, no. I mean, I'm perfectly fine saying Ascension is bad artwork. Okay, it just doesn't stop me from buying it. Yeah, what what's up with that? Why why would you why would you still buy that? Why are you encouraging them? It's a good game. It is a good game, but the artwork is not good. I'm rewarding their mechanics. I hear that. Okay, <laughs> so back to Star Realms. So in Star Realms, you'll purchase ships that do a number of different things. So, and since it's just like Ascension, it actually does two things. One is it gives you purchasing power to purchase ships to put to your deck. Or the second thing, it, it allows you to put together attack. Now, instead of attacking something in the middle row, you'll attack the other player. Now, that's the big difference about this game. You're actually attacking each other's like main base kind of situation. So, five attack, five purchase. I can purchase a couple of cards in the middle, and then I take five attack and I throw it against you. You take five damage. Now, it allows you to build like space stations so they can act as buffers and they can also act as like constructs in Ascension that'll give you like abilities as the game goes on. And then some of the cards actually have an ability to trash them and it'll give you like a one time bonus, like a last shot. So you can get it for gold or, I'm sorry, like currency, quote unquote, um, or a final attack. You can pick up the app for free, it's on iOS for free. You only get the easy AI mode, which is not a problem at all because you just want to see if you like the game. And then you can kind of pay a little bit more if you want to play the additional AI, which I don't really see the the reason for. But if you want to do so, it's kind of fun to play. So for me, this game is, I don't know how you would say this, a buy as far as the free version is. Um, A download. a A buy download, a free download. Now, as far as getting this to the table... I would say it's a play. It's a solid play. I like I like the game mechanics of Ascension. I like the sci-fi theme. We don't have really have enough sci-fi games out there. The artwork is pretty nice. It's pretty, you know, it's it's pretty sci-fi kind of look. And uh, it's a good game. So check it out for, for a play or free download level. Cool. Um, I know that the, the card game itself is only $15 normally uh, when not being marked up for rarity. I've had it kind of almost on my radar here and there. I'm like, if I saw it in the game store, I might grab it because I know it's hard to find. Would you say it's worth buying for 15 bucks? For 15 bucks, it's worth buying. Okay. Yeah. For a two-player game, I would say so. All right, cool. I'll have to download the app and try it out, and then I'll know for sure. Which is great. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, your game's barely even out, and you're basically... That's confidence. Like, here's this free app. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, this is White Wizards Games, and we really appreciate them putting their product out there for everyone to try because now I'll look for this whereas it went out of print and I heard very little about it before it went out of print I would totally dismiss it so this keeps my attention kind of connected yeah it's worth looking back on something WizKids really should do when they have these big production delays yes yeah. they've got six months to kill I know make a Dice Masters app I mean they have a Quarriers <laughs> app why not yeah that's actually a good idea. Come Thank on, you. guys. Million dollar idea. Get on it. Yeah, we haven't had one of those in a while. I know. I just made them a million dollars. We used to do that weekly. I know. <laughs> we're getting well, slow in our old age. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, the million dollars haven't come in, so we're, you know, we're holding we're, out a little bit. Uh, in our 30s. <laughs> yeah. Go to work. Come home. <laughs> pay the bills. <laughs> the checks are in the mail. That's, that's what they keep saying. Freaking every week. <laughs> oh. 
Well, my at the table this week is uh, one I played a while ago, but we kept from talking about it because it's rather contentious, but it's, uh, we've got to say it, it's Galaxy Trucker, and I'm actually uh, kind of a fan of it. It's a wonderfully chaotic game where you play as truckers hauling refuse and waste across the galaxy. Exactly. They're hauling other Galaxy Trucker box games in there. (laughs) (laughs) This is the game that's not allowed to be named. (laughs) But what makes you... uh, Why why do you dislike it so much? Why why are you making me talk about this game that's... (laughs) Your review, Daniel. Why do you love it? And then he can make snide comments. I like Galaxy Trucker a lot. I like slapping together the ship really quick, and I like all the bizarre crazy things that happen to the ship as you go on and how fast they happen you'll be going through being i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and then half your ship will just disappear and that sudden swing of fate and fortune because of a tiny oversight i just find that enjoyable it's completely random and i understand that sometimes you want randomness in a game but when you play a game that let's talk about how this game starts right you take the whole box of components for the ships and you basically dump them out and flip them down so no one sees them. And then you, then you turn a timer on and you start flipping them over and seeing if you can stick them in your ship. And then everyone's doing that. And that's really chaotic. And you try to kind of put things together in a way you think might help you, but there really is no way to know what you're going to need. So will you need cargo components? Will you need aliens? What will you need? No idea because the next step after the ship is finished... Like, and hopefully you can finish it quicker in order to get a certain, you know, bonus, is cards are flipped over and random things happen to your ship. You have no idea what's coming. You can't do anything about them at this point. So, like, yeah, you built 15 lasers shooting forward. The asteroid's coming from the left. And you're like, but I built 15 lasers shooting forward. You gotta put 14 (laughs) forward and one on the left. You know, or it's like, we want storage. You're like, but I have aliens in here to protect me. So this game, there is no game to this game. It's just literally throwing stuff at a wall like a three-year-old would do with spaghetti dinner and go, so that's what happens. (laughs) I, I, I agree pretty much with the assessment. It's an incredibly chaotic game, but I think that's what makes it kind of fun and kind of special is that there are relatively few games that capture that just enormous dramatic chaos as well as Galaxy Truckers of just... Just grabbing shit, scrapping it on your ship, going as fast as you can, and hoping it doesn't fall apart. But I think if the if the elements of the game were more kind of wacky as far as that was concerned, I mean, it's it's a little... Bl- and then the other side is it's bland. The artwork is kind of odd and bland. It's got these purples and pinks and greens for really no reason. The things that happen to you are kind of bland. Like, you get shot. Like, the card you flipped over is like a, a laser. And you're like, oh... All right, so it's nothing like, you know, some interdimensional alien race that, you know, looks like a, a purple cow hits you. Like, it, it's such a disconnect of the game, and it takes a long time to play. If, it, if building the ship didn't take that long, then I, I would kind of understand, like, hey, so I just put this thing together, and it flew, and, it, nothing, and bad stuff happened to it, and all right. But it takes so long to play that it just, it's just too long for me to hang around for, you know spaghetti on a wall man i just can't stand there and watch spaghetti on a wall you know so you want either more chaos or less chaos well if it's going to be chaos i think any game that and people have a problem with munchkin as far as like it's chaos okay but it should be as sure as possible when chaos lasts too long 
you're just standing by just watching odd things happen it's and that's why a lot of people hate Munchkin yeah because it drags on too long and it, if, it, if the game drags on too long I, I totally I totally get that at least but you know what the difference with Munchkin is the, it has artwork and it has jokes or puns or however you want to classify it so there's something there yeah I'll give you that I would like Galaxy Trucker more if there were more humorous character to the events and the cards that happened but I still think it's an enjoyable game to play I think having that totally chaotic just oh dear god what's happening moment and the moment where you have that one poor ship trying to struggle its way to the end of the race as it gets battered by meteorites all coming from the same side that's that's pretty fun for me. The only thing about the game is like you could just as literally have as much chance of winning if you just grabbed a random handful of tiles and just stuck throw them on the board and wherever they landed they landed because you never know what's going to come hit you and even if you did build intelligently and you built all these components and you built an equal amount they may not be useful at all. So Grab, slam down, and then like flip the cards. And, yeah. I don't know. I, the first time I played it, I basically did that because I had no idea what I was doing because it was very poorly taught to me. And I lost really, really bad. So there's different levels of getting destroyed. No, no, no. Anytime you play Galaxy Trucker, you always lose. <laughs> well, how about you, Anthony? Where do you come down on Galaxy Trucker? I've only played it twice. The first time doesn't count because it was taught incredibly poorly. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those, it's a game where time matters, so the person's like, click, okay, so now you grab as many tiles as you can, as fast as you can, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that was a horrible thing to do to us. That didn't count. The second time, uh, I had a, almost an idea what I was doing, so that was almost like the first time, and the group of people was half asleep, so I think it's a game that if you're not all Drunk. excited and having fun, you know, Drunk. they just... <laughs> Stoned? <laughs> I, I think the experience you're describing, Daniel, is like a raucous good time in a gaming group. Yeah. It's got to have that. Wrong group of people, bad teacher, game falls... Most games do, but this one falls really, really flat when that happens. Yeah, and I, and I was really lucky. I mean, I was playing with a good group of people, and I had a great teacher, and we even, for the very first playthrough, we didn't do the time limit. Uh, Paula was uh, teaching, I mm. believe, and she... But what she did is, like, so we'd be sitting there and we'd be putting things together and she'd just say, just so you know, this is when the time limit would have been up. And things like that. And that was so incredibly helpful. Much better way to teach a game. Right. Just like, because, you know, she knew we were all new and she's played this game a hundred times. Yeah. And apparently she is legendary at this game. And so here she is. It's like, just so you know, you would have been screwed right now. Yeah. Um, but you're not, because I'm not here to beat up on a bunch of people who don't know how to play my favorite game. <laughs> Uh, Did you buy it? Yeah, I've got it uh, on the shelf. Cool. We could break it out sometime. No. Not when he's here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a game experience, right? If you have the right group of people and you're looking to waste some time and you don't care about any winning and you don't care about strategy or tactics or mechanics or and play much gameplay. Oh! Or, or, burn! Ish. <laughs> Break the Munchkin hate. It's not as bad as Galaxy Trucker. <laughs> I have the same opinion of both, so I'm actually in the middle. Oh, okay. Like it's yeah. like it's all right if you're with the right group of people, it's fun. If you're not, it's not. Yeah, I think for Galaxy Trucker, I do think you're right. You can't be playing to win, really. I mean, like yeah. it's you try to win, but really, what you're playing for, at least what I'm playing for, is to watch these ships, just all of your great plans, just crumble horribly yeah. as 17 meteorites go down the one one exposed pipe in your entire ship, ripping it to shreds. 
the only way to win is not to play at all. <laughs> <laughs> Did war games not teach you anything? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good analogy. Oh yeah, I, I, for I, every game. For every game, <laughs> the only way to win is to, to not do it. Oh, uh, what are we doing? No, I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? Yeah, I mean, I think I guess we're probably we're not going to settle this now. But no, I can't see Chris ever playing this again. Yeah. No. No. Okay. <laughs> Unless I can play something on my phone while I play it, because all I gotta do is throw tiles at the tile. You should play it like that and see what happens. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. It would, it, it's what it, it's the the level of concentration that would I, actually be I would, I required. Think everybody would be greatly amused if you sat there and played with your phone and, and threw you, tiles at your board. I bet you I'd win because <laughs> that's all you need to do. Because honestly, building the ship first gives you the, the bonuses and lets you do other things. So. I didn't find the bonus to be that significant. I found a well-rounded ship and greatly improved my chances of survival. Also, not leaving open ports. <laughs> Which could be a problem if you're throwing random tiles. We did have no, one. just just as fine. <laughs> we did have good. one player who left like three open pipes on their left side, and throughout the entire game, we're all waiting for the shot to go down the left side, and not once. The rest of the ship got hammered, but just like the giant gaping hole in the side of his ship, like covered with duct tape. <laughs> totally fine. Don't go in that room. There's no air. <laughs> it's not even a room. It's just a hole. As the man in the middle, I feel I must step in and tell us to shut up. Bring this to a close. <laughs> he started it. <laughs> he did. Start. <laughs> and this is why we have not reviewed this game yet. Yes. <laughs> um,. Okay, so my at-the-table segment, the game I've been playing lately, uh, is one that uh, it's going to hit up our classic spot for the week. This is the slightly older game, a game that maybe it's sitting on your shelf. You don't get to play it as much. You see other people playing it. Um, it's not the hotness. It's not new. But it is a great game, in my opinion, and that is Citadels. Uh, this is a game, I think I played it maybe the first couple times I was at the store. Maybe, Chris, you taught me. Mm-hmm. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, it's a really good game. Uh, it teaches you a few different mechanics that are used in a lot of different types of games, and it's good because it can play so many people. Um, it scales up really well. It plays well with two, but it also plays well with eight, right? Yeah, this is one of the first games I picked up, and I remember bringing this to the store, and they didn't have a copy of this for some strange reason. And like you said, the fact that it can scale all the way up to such a high number, and then even in the box it had the... Ex- the expansion that was included with it so you could even play the eight level character there or you can switch out some of the characters or all of the characters so if you didn't like the assassin thief if you felt they were a little too aggressive you can switch them out which was nice it offered a variety of gameplay and it added also some of the purple buildings i believe that gave you special abilities in the game too which was fun to have because sometimes you like to have some special abilities in a game yeah, it's a it's a cool game. It's fun. It's not it's aggressive without being so aggressive that you can get ganged up on. Um, yes, you're gonna get hit every now and then by people, but honestly, they're gonna hit you because they think it helps them. They're not gonna do it to be jerks, with some exceptions. Yeah. Uh, but the game, like the whole hidden roll mechanic and the way you take turns and how it all balances out because of that, and then the uh, various ways you can build out your like little tableau. And how that can benefit benefit you towards the victory is kind of cool. The game, if nobody puts out that card that ends the game early, it can go pretty long. Sure. That's the one thing I have against it. Because I think you have to get to eight. Yeah. And then there's, there's a card that makes it, you bell, only have to get to seven. The bell tower, I think. Yeah. That. And it ends as soon as you get there. So all somebody has to do is get there. But then there's 
a roll that allows you to destroy buildings so it can go on, that can be a problem. The game shouldn't take that long. But most of the time it doesn't. It usually ends early enough, around an hour. It's a lot of fun, and it's easy to teach, which is pretty cool. Um, there's been a lot of games that kind of build on this mechanic. I don't think any of them really do it better. I mean, I would still recommend Citadels if you're talking about a hidden roll mechanic with a little depth and strategy to it. And I think the fun thing about Citadels, too, is not only is it a hidden roll mechanic, but it's also a card drafting mechanic, too. So you'll get a bunch of the rolls. One or two of the rolls, depending on how many people are playing, will be discarded to begin with, or at least face down. Then you'll pick a roll, you'll pass it on, they'll pick a roll, they'll pass it on. So you have some information by looking at your hand what is not there so you have an idea at least he just handed me the cards I know one card is out I know there's also one card missing so I have a 50% idea of what he might have in his hand and then as you pass it on now they have an idea somewhat depending on the people that came before them so it's really fun as far as that's concerned because the deduction that goes on in the game is so intense and one of my best gaming moments was Somebody was about to win the game and was kind of running away with it. And then I just kind of focused in on them and was able to guess, I think, three or four times in a row what they were picking. And kept picking Assassin and uh, Thief just to kind of whittle them down. And it was just almost magical because, like, just each and every time, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I was like, God, he didn't know what to do with himself. I doubt uh, he thought it was magical. No, he wasn't thinking <laughs> he magical to kill at all. you. <laughs> Pretty much. But he was running away with the game in a very... Arrogant way, so it was. Oh. It was upper, he yeah. Deserved. It was. It was well deserved. Otherwise, you play really friendly. You're like, I don't want to use. The, no one wants to use the assassin. Nobody wants to use a thief. But you know, once in a while, once in a while, it's required. But it's a small game. Comes in a small box and just a couple of components with the the gold pieces. The one thing I would say about the game is sleeve the game. I don't have. I don't think I have any game sleeved. I would sleeve the game because the edges are all black. And they chip like five minutes into the game. And you do handle the cards a lot. So from somebody who doesn't sleeve, I'm telling you to sleeve this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I uh, I picked this game up. Uh, Myriad had it in stock randomly one day. They never had it in stock. I grabbed the copy when they did have it. And um, I'm glad I did. I played it a few times since. And usually if I'm going to a, a, a gaming group or if I'm going to be out gaming for a while with people I don't know or people who don't play a ton of games or if there's going to be a large people, number of people there I'll bring it with because it's one of those thing, games that can seat a lot of people like Shadowhunters or you know just those games that hit the 7 or 8 mark which almost nothing does yeah I've never played it but it sounds fun it's fun <laughs> we'll play it it's yeah. quick especially with 3 or 4 people it's pretty quick yeah alright so that's all the games we got to the table this week uh, next up we're going to Jump into our top ten list, and that is Lunch Hour Games. Alright, so this week we are going to cover ten of our favorite lunchtime games. So before we get started, let's describe what that actually means, because it doesn't actually mean anything. So lunchtime games, basically that means a game that is light enough that you can bring it with you to work or school, uh, so not a big heavy box. A game that takes less than an hour, because you only have an hour. A game that plays four or more people because you want to involve everybody during the game and a game that doesn't have a huge footprint or make a ton of noise so we discounted anything that would take up the entire table like seven wonders or games that could possibly go over that hour mark if everybody really got into it so not necessarily super light games but games that get done quick which generally means kind of light games um and so we've picked out 10 of our favorites 
uh, in no particular order, except we'll have our top four at the end, our Fab Four picks of the week, and those are the uh, the top picks from the list, basically. Like each of us will have our own kind of favorite from this category. All right. So first, we're gonna go ahead and get started here. Um, and the obvious pick, so it's obviously gonna be at the top of the list. This is probably the biggest lunchtime, quick pocket size, whatever you want to call it, game the last like two years is Love Letter. Uh, that's the obvious one. But, I mean, Love Letter is an awesome game, so it deserves to be on any list like this. And we kind of split this a little bit and threw a knuckle sandwich, which we reviewed a few weeks ago. But we're going to say Love Letter first because you can find it and buy it. Yeah. And Love Letter is just a fantastic game. It's got a good deal of interaction. It's rules light. It's quick to learn. So you can get your colleagues or your friends who are not big gamers into it. Uh, and you'll actually interact with one another, not just the game. So that's great. Yeah, and it's quick. Like, if you have to stop at any point, somebody has to run back for a meeting, or you don't start playing right away, each actual round takes, like, four minutes. If you play the full game, it can take 30 to 40, because, you, you know, you're trying to get to four cubes. With four people, that can take a little longer. But even then, you're probably safe on time. So it's a really good light game. Yeah, it's not going to bother anybody, but it'll involve everyone at the same time. And it's the smallest hand of cards you can possibly have, right? Have one card in your hand, pick up one, play one. So can't get much easier than that and can't get much smaller as far as a carrying a game with you as Love Letter is. Yep. And there are many, many versions of this. So if you don't like the tempest theme princess version, there is the Legend of the Five Rings version. Or the Japanese Sage of Kanai version of the game, or the wedding version of the game, or Knuckle Sandwich, which we mentioned. Yes. Uh, Lost Legacy, a new game from Sage of Kanai, is basically a love letter with a search mechanic. It's the same kind of game with 15 cards. So there are a lot of games like this. Same idea. Pick the one that's good for you and the people you know, and that, that'll be perfect. All right. What do we got next? All right. So next on the list, we have Timeline. Ooh. Now, Timeline's a great game, especially in a very, very small space, because what we're talking about here is trying to get something on a table, and we don't know what the size of your table is going to be, but whatever the size is, Timeline's going to fit, because this game has the tiniest little cards you can ever possibly imagine for a game. And basically, the game starts, you're putting one card down, and then everyone else decides if a card happened before that in history or after that in history, and that's the entire game. So everyone can play this, and even though it has a historical element and there's a lot of different versions of this, either before or after, that's really all you have to do. And sometimes taking a guess works out really well. The one thing I will kind of worry, worry or be kind of concerned about is it comes in a tin. Yeah. Which does travel okay, but you can dent and bang that thing up along the way. But, you know. Yeah, I would almost take it out of the tin. Yeah. Like if I was going to take it to work, like find a pouch or something. It's a tiny little deck of cards, so you could do that. Yeah. And you can bring multiple versions because they have, I don't know, a dozen versions of this game now. Yeah. Animals, inventions, historical events. The artwork is really good. The cards are really small and can't do much worse than that. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, next one here on the list is Coup and or Resistance, but mostly Coup because it's newer and it's better. Yeah. So Coup, which we covered a couple episodes back... You'll actually be playing two cards, and those two cards will be your life counter, but they'll also have special abilities. Now, you don't have to use those special abilities. You can use anybody's special abilities as long as you lie well enough. So you could say that you have the Duke. Even if you don't have the Duke, 
and then you can use the abilities of the Duke. You get three points together. You can say you can assassinate somebody, even if you don't have the assassin. If you get seven coins, then you can actually perform a coup on somebody, and they can't stop you. So with those two cards and a little pile full of coins, it plays incredibly quick. It's incredibly easy to kind of catch on, and it plays with a lot of people. And it's another game that's really high interaction, so you actually get to be you know spend your face-to-face time with your coworkers, with your friends with them rather than with the rule book or, or with the, the board you know and that's really what these kind of games could be about i think it's about getting to know people and yeah you don't want to have a game especially a lunchtime game that you have to like pay like heavy attention to yeah yeah this is perfect for that and another one like love letter that you could play one round or five Depending on how much time you have. And it's the right kind of game to give you a running joke, at least for the rest of the day. I'm the Duke. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously Resistance, which is still part of that same thematic universe. Now, this will probably take a a few more people. So if you have a larger lunch crowd, the the footprint of the game is pretty small because you just really have that one main card in the middle of the table that kind of tracks the different counters. And then you only have one card, which actually tells you about which role you have. And then you'll kind of vote... And based upon the vote, it'll either succeed or it'll fail. And you basically do that five times. And whoever the winner is, either the red or the blue, wins the game. So also another good game to kind of interact with people. Maybe you don't know their tells or trying to get to know them. So it brings random people together in groups in order to save the world or destroy it, I guess. So kind of fun in that way, too. Yeah, Resistance is cool. Played it at a picnic a couple times. Just someone popped it out of a pocket and just threw it down on the picnic table so yeah perfect game for that all right so next on the list uh so these other three games were kind of like light card games you could pull out of your pocket this game you might need a slightly bigger bag for and that's click clack lumberjack now this game is a little bit more challenging because you're going to have this little pillar that's actually supposed to be a tree and then there'll be an axe and the object of the game is to knock off as many pieces of bark as you can without knocking out the core parts because while the bark it scores you positive points the core parts will score you negative points so get as much bark as you can this game is a little silly it's a little kiddie but it's a lot of fun and it can be played with a lot of different people and it has that Jenga kind of mechanic to it but since it's plastic and it's light and it's pretty small in comparison, you can play this on a really tiny footprint and get a lot of people involved. Yeah, this one might break the no- the noise rule that we said at the beginning. Uh, it can be a little noisy, all the plastic falling down all over the place, but it doesn't happen constantly. It is a small, you could play it on a small lunchroom table. You don't have to be like a big giant cafeteria table. And it's quick, it's super quick. And it's just absurd fun. Just yeah. just a good time, right? There's, I mean, the rules are... There are two rules. And that's that's it. Like, just here you go. Hit the tree. <laughs> like, yeah. it's a, just a good time. If you hit it too hard, you probably lose. <laughs> but most of the time, it's just like, tap. Something might fall. Tap. Doesn't fall. Tap. It's just when that one whack comes through that it just knocks everything <sighs> over. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Love yeah. that game. All right, next up, we just talked about this. So, obviously, we think highly of it, and that's Citadels. Citadels! Where's <laughs> Eric Sumner when you need him? Yeah, except we like it. We like it! <laughs> Citadels. 
What? Uh, is that your thing now? Citadel. <laughs> uh, that's apparently my thing now. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Citadel's, again, great game, light, doesn't, that box is tiny, It you could toss it in a bag, um, components are cards and coins, and you can play it with as few as two or as many as eight. Not a lot of strategy-based games can get up to eight, so it really, it fits that really well if you have a big group. Yeah, the, the scalability of this game is outstanding, and this is a little bit of an older game, too. And the option to, when you're playing the different roles, to kind of switch out different roles, to kind of set the game how you want it to play, and to build a little tableau of buildings is kind of fun, too. So it's while it is a card game and you are choosing roles, it is a little bit of a board game because you're building a tableau up, which is kind of fun. And honestly, it has a little bit of everything, so... Take this out. I think people will appreciate it. Um, the last one here before we get to our Fab Four picks, our top picks each, is Hey, That's My Fish. <laughs> I love this game. I know it's for kids. I don't care. It's a lot of fun. There's enough strategy to it for you can think a little bit, but not so much that anybody's going to get AP or worry about anything like that. It's just silly, kind of messy, tiles are everywhere, kind of fun, but within a relatively small footprint. The box is small. It's a little like 3 by 3 box. And uh, I don't know, I've not played with anybody who did not enjoy it, or at least enjoy the experience of playing it, whether they thought it was a good game, strategy-wise or not. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's surprisingly strategic, too, because when you set out the board, or it's not really a board so much, but you'll set out these little tiles that make kind of like little ice flows. So you put your penguin in one sp spot, and then you're going to jump him across to another spot, and you'll pick up the tile that's, that you left, and so you're counting up, oh, that was one fish, that was two fish, and three fish. And But as you're doing that, you're picking up the fishes, you're also cutting out territory for the other penguins. So there's a good possibility you can send somebody adrift because you've literally cut away all the ice and now they, they have nowhere else to go. So it can happen. Play the ruthless serial killer penguin. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't after the fish. I was after you. <laughs> And thankfully, you get two penguins, so you're not going to like cut anybody out of the game like right away and have them murder you over lunch. But... <laughs> you took my fish. I took your life. <laughs> it's a good tagline. There you go. Yeah. Hey, my, hey, that's my fish, the movie. <laughs> oh, man. Well, murdering penguins aside, let's jump into <laughs> our top four games, well, one for each of us. So we're going to go around. We'll mention the one that we think we would personally want to bring with us and then uh, we'll toss one in for Drew as well and this will round out our top ten so Daniel why don't you go first with your pick well there are a lot of great options here and this may not honestly be the very best but it's a game I love and it's a game that I don't think hits the table nearly enough and it's Bonanza Bonanza is the most fun you will ever have counting beans <laughs> it's a very simple rule system takes five minutes to learn maybe it plays pretty quickly uh it's a very small footprint, and the cards are dual use, so you know you keep you don't even have coins to keep track of because the cards are the coins. Uh, it's easy to score. It it just checks everything off on a list for me. Um, on top of that, the cards are durable; they're good quality, so they'll survive being thrown down on the the lunch table. Yeah, right. That's a pre seventy five pound box Rosenberg, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh. It's a Rosenberg game, and it's uh, honestly just a fantastic game. For me, I'm going to go with a game that I reviewed last week uh, favorably, and to the surprise of everybody who uh, knows anything about me and my gaming choices, and that's Friday the 13th. So, again, not a huge fan of trick-taking games, but 
they are generally very good lunch hour games. They're quick, quick, easy to teach the rules, almost always only cards, easy to carry, small footprint, lots of people, list goes on, perfect. I don't like most of them, so I'm not going to bring most of them to my office, but Friday the 13th I would bring because that would be a perfect fit um, if we just had 30, 40 minutes left after eating to play a quick game. This is a great game for that. Yeah, definitely a smaller footprint in comparison to Poison. Yeah, Poison would be tough. I would probably bring it without the cauldrons. Yeah, and this game has that little snap lid, so that's always nice to take with it. It's super easy to carry, yeah. I'm not going to have to worry about cards flopping around. I mean, we played it on a banister, right? We had (laughs) three inches wide space, and we were able to play this game. You could not have a smaller footprint. Yeah, I mean, like, at the top of the list, for any list like this, if we weren't talking about hobby board games, it would be a deck of cards. And a game like Friday the 13th is basically just a deck of cards in a really cool box. Yeah. So any game that's that compact but has enough strategy and replayability to it like that perfect i would definitely bring that and for my pick i'm going to go with um dixit so if you're looking for a game to really engage with friends and co-workers that maybe you don't know so well or maybe you think you know well but you're not too sure dixit is a really fun game as far as trying to engage them in a really imaginative level that really kind of clues you into what they're thinking and what's important to them so with this game, you just have the, you have the uh, victory point marker, which you do or don't need to have because it's really a game you're just going to play for the fun of it. And each person plays a card. You put them in front of you, these four cards. You pick which one you think is related to the clue. And then if you're right, you'll score points. Now, if you are the only one who gets it, you get the most points. You'll get the two points. If multiple people get it, it's ones. And if nobody gets it, then the person who put that out there is not going to get any points. So, And if everybody gets it, it's, it's no points too, right? There's some sort of penalty for everyone guessing, I thought. Because I mentioned if too everyone obvious. gets it or no one gets it, it yeah, some people gets it. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a great game. You're absolutely right. It's probably the perfect icebreaker game because it helps you get an idea into how your coworkers think. Because, you know, you have to use these sort of vague metaphorical descriptions that are just vague enough to prevent everyone from jumping on the same card, but just narrow enough that somebody figures it out. Yeah, and it is the easiest game in the world to learn. Yeah. I learned it and then won a tournament of it So in the same day. <laughs> Which I used to like to brag about before the store closed. So. And you're still bragging uh, about it. I am still bragging about it. Quote, unquote, before the store closed. I'll have you know that I did win our... That's my fish slash mini game. That's because we month. did Pitchcar, and Pitchcar was a stupid game to put in that stupid tournament. Well, I won all three games, and I didn't, you know. Yeah, I'll give you, hey, that's my fish, because that's a good game. Pitchcar. Pitchcar, I'm not going to give you, because that's a stupid game. No thanks. No thanks, it's a good game. Don't don't even go there. Whatever, you won that fair and square. I just did not have a good time and in I, those three games. And I never played That's, well, I played that's My Fish, but I think we both played that once before, but I never played Pitchcar before. And never again. Never again. <laughs> All right, so the last game on the list, and I guess this can be our default number one, but this is Drew's pick. He, you know, phoned it in, I guess. Um, <laughs> and that's Las Vegas. Now, Las Vegas is... Uh, honestly, I love this one, too. I was on the fence whether this was my pick, but Drew took it first. It's all you need is dice and the little signs that go with them for each of the different casinos and the money, and that's it. It can all fit in one baggie, honestly. It comes with a 
way too big box. Way too big. So you could consolidate it into a plastic bag. <laughs> toss it in your bag. Just, just be careful. It's paper money, but yeah. Replace it with poker chips. It'd poker chips are much better. Yeah. So you just roll dice and you basically bid on each of these locations where you the top bidder is going to get the most money and that's it. At three rounds and hopefully you end the game with the most money. Super simple. Uh, doesn't take very long. Maybe 20, 30 minutes. The footprint is as big as you need it to be, but it's you could even compact it even more than we normally do. You don't need the box. You don't even need all the components, honestly. You could fill in for some of them with um, you know, poker chips or whatever, something easier to carry. And it's incredibly easy to teach. Roll dice, put them where you want the money. That's it. Like, It's just basically that every round you just make the same decision. Um, but a little bit of push your luck, too, because you have to decide where you're going to put your dice and if it's worth it, if anybody could outbid you there, how thin you'll spread yourself if you want to try to win multiples. Anyways, great game. Um, I think perfect for a lunch hour. Yeah, it's just it's a matter of where you, whoever has the most pips and that uh, you know dice in that area. So, yeah, I mean, plays with everybody. Everyone really enjoys it. We had a number of people come down to the store, and that usually was the first game we would break out. You know, because everyone can roll dice and everyone can go, yeah, that's a two. I put two over the two spot. Yeah, I get that. And you're winning cash, so why not? Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a group of players play this who didn't look like they were having fun, right? Every time I see this game out on the table, it looks like a party, so... Sure. Yeah. It's a great choice. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's uh, quick. Yeah. So, All right, so that's all our top ten games you can play in a lunch hour, whether you're at school or work. If you have a game that you think is awesome, that you either currently bring to work or school with you, or that you are just now thinking of, that would be good to do that with, uh, let us know. We will add it to our list and throw it here on the next podcast and um honestly you know i like to know about those games anyways because you can't have enough games like that to fit your gaming group and uh these are they're often the games you know we say lunch hour but these are also the kinds of games you play at the end of a long night when people want to play one more quick game at the beginning of a potentially long night when people aren't ready to rip out rune wars or cyclades or whatever you're going to play that's going to take three four hours um these are good quick games so definitely share what your favorites are all right so that's everything for this week's episode next week we're going to be reviewing among the stars so make sure to check that out that's the hot new game from stronghold and uh, make sure you follow us on twitter at bga podcast so you can see what we're playing what we're going to be reviewing coming up make your voice heard in terms of top tens or our reviews Um, we get a lot of great feedback on the kemet versus clades review people sounding off on which games they thought was was best if you have not done so yet, let us know if you agree or disagree with our uh, opinions there. And uh, make sure you connect with us on Facebook as well. Lots of pictures up there. And uh, we're on Board Game Geek. We have a guild there. And of course, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, where you'll find all of our episodes, all of our articles, basically everything we've ever done, all in one place. All right, so that's everything for this week. This is Anthony. This is Chris. And this is Daniel. And until next week, we'll save you a space at the cool table of the cafeteria. Nice. We don't sit at the cool table. We do. If we're there with our listeners, that's always the cool table. <laughs>